seven years old. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he can do everything. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world and the hope of living with him forever so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else and why he wants you to join him. Hello everyone, I'm so excited to be speaking with you again. We just love to read through the scriptures every single day to let God bring us into his story. Last time we talked about when King David brought the Ark of the Covenant into his capital, Jerusalem. King David saw the blessings that the Ark brought to those who took care of it, so he was motivated to bring the Ark to his capital even though he had made some mistakes earlier. After David brings the Ark of the Covenant into his city, sets up the special tent called the tabernacle, he realizes that he should build a permanent temple to God. At first, the prophet Nathan thinks that this is a good idea, but then God tells David not to build the temple, but instead he makes a covenant with him. God promises that he will build David an everlasting house. It was another way to say that David's children and his children's children would always be on the throne of Israel. Covenants are kind of like contracts or promises. Have you ever made a promise to someone? Do you say something like, I'll give you this toy if you give me that toy for five minutes? Sometimes our friends agree to deals like that. But sometimes they break the deal, don't they? Sometimes they keep the toy and they don't act the way they should or the way they said they would act. God always acts the way that he says he will act. But people sometimes fail to act that way. Now God wants to make these deals with us because he knows that they are good for us. Not because he wants our toys or our stuff or our money. God gives us really good deals, just like he gave to David. The next two stories we read about will let us see what happens when God decides to give good things to King David. Because David trusts and loves God. While David was king of Israel, he won many battles over the Philistines. He brought them under his control. He took Methagamah away from them. David also won the battle over the people of Moab. He made them lie down on the ground, and he measured them off with a piece of rope. He put two-thirds of them to death, and he let the other third remain alive. So the Moabites were brought under David's rule. They gave him the gifts he required them to bring him. David fought against Hadadezer. Hadadezer was the king of Zobah. He had gone to repair his monument at the Euphrates River. David captured 1,000 of Hadadezer's chariots, 7,000 chariot riders, and 20,000 soldiers on foot. He cut the legs of all but 100 chariot horses. The Arameans of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, the king of Zobah. But David struck down 22,000 of them. He stationed some soldiers in the Aramean kingdom of Damascus, and the people of Aram were brought under his rule. 
they gave him the gifts he required them to bring him. The Lord helped David win his battles everywhere he went. David took the gold shields that belonged to the officers of Hadadezer. He brought the shields to Jerusalem. He took a huge amount of bronze from those towns belonging to Hadadezer. Tau was king of Hamath. He heard that David had won the battle over the entire army of Hadadezer. So Tau sent his son Joram to King David. And Joram greeted David. He praised David because he had won the battle over Hadadezer. Hadadezer had been at war with Tau. So, Tau's son Joram brought him gifts made out of gold and silver and bronze. King David set those gifts apart for the Lord. He had done the same thing with the silver and the gold he had taken from the other nations. Those were the nations he had brought under his control. Those nations were Edom, Moab, Ammon, Philistia, and Amalek. He also set apart for the Lord what he had taken from Hadadezer. David returned after he had struck down 18,000 men of Edom in the Valley of Salt, and he became famous for doing it. He stationed some soldiers throughout all Edom. The whole nation of Edom was brought under David's rule. The Lord helped him win his battles everywhere he went. David ruled over the whole nation of Israel. He did what was fair and right for all his people. Joab was commander over the army. Jehoshaphat kept records. Zadok and Ahimelech were priests. Sariah was the secretary. Benaniah was the commander over David's mercenary army. And David's sons were priests. David asks, Is anyone left in the royal house of Saul? If there is, I want to be kind to him because of Jonathan. Ziba was a servant in Saul's family. David sent for him to come and see him. And the king said, Are you Ziba? I'm ready to serve you, he replied. The king asked, Isn't there anyone still alive from the royal house of Saul? God has been very kind to me. I would like to be kind to that person in the same way. Ziba answered the king, A son of Jonathan is still living. Both of his feet were hurt so that he can't walk. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's in the town of Lodebar. He's staying at the house of Makir. So King David had Mephibosheth brought from Makir's house in Lodebar. Mephibosheth came to David. He was the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. Mephibosheth bowed down to David to show him respect. And David said, Mephibosheth, I'm ready to serve you, he replied. Don't be afraid, David told him. You can be sure that I will be kind to you because of your father Jonathan. I'll give back to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and I'll always provide what you need. Mephibosheth bowed down to David. He said, Who am I? Why should you pay attention to me? I'm nothing but a dead dog. And then the king sent for Saul's servant, Ziba, and he said to him, I'm giving your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants must farm the land for him. You must bring in the crops and then he'll be taken care of. I'll always provide what he needs. Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, I'll do anything you command me to do. You are my king and master. So David provided what Mephibosheth needed. He treated him like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. 
all the members of Ziba's family became servants of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, and the king always provided what he needed. Both of his feet were hurt so that he could not walk. The king of Ammon died. His son Hanan became the king after him. David thought, I'm going to be kind to Hanan. His father Nahash was kind to me. So David sent messengers to Hanan. He wanted to tell Hanan how sad he was that Hanan's father died. David's messengers went to the land of Ammon. The Ammonite commanders spoke to their master Hanan. They said, David has sent messengers to tell you that he's sad. They say that he wants to honor your father, but the real reason they have come is to look the city over. They want to destroy it. So Hanan grabbed David's messengers, and he shaved off half of each man's beard. He cut their clothes off just below the waist, and he left them half naked, and then he sent them away. David was told about it, and so he sent messengers to his men, because they were filled with shame. King David said to them, Stay at Jericho until your beards grow out again, then come back here. The Ammonites realized that what they had done had made David very angry with them. So they hired 20,000 Aramean soldiers who were on foot. The Ammonites also hired a 1,000 men, and they hired another 12,000 men from Tob. David heard about it, so he sent Joab out with the entire army of Israel's fighting men. The Ammonites marched out. They took up their battle positions at the entrance of their city gates. The Arameans of Zobah and Rehob gathered their troops together in the open country. So did the men of Tob and Makkah. Job saw the, the lines of soldiers in front of him and behind him. So he chose some of his best troops in Israel. He sent them out to march against the Arameans. He put the rest of the men under the command of his brother, Abishai. Joab sent them to march out against the Ammonites. And he said, Suppose the Arameans are too strong for me, then you must come help me. But suppose the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I'll come and help you. Be strong. Let's be brave as we fight for our people and for the cities of our God. The Lord will do what he thinks is best. Then Joab and the troops with him marched out to attack the Arameans, and they ran away from him. The Ammonites realized that the Arameans were running away, so they ran away from Abishai. They went inside the city. After Joab had fought against the Ammonites, he went back to Jerusalem. The Arameans saw that they had been driven away by Israel, so they brought their troops together. Hadadezer had some Arameans brought from the east of the Euphrates River. They went to Helam under the command of Shobak. He was the commander of Hadadezer's army. David was told about it, so he gathered his whole army of Israel together, and they went across the Jordan River to Helam. The Arameans lined up their soldiers to go to war against David, and they began to fight against him. But then they ran away from Israel. David killed 700 of their chariot riders, and he killed 40,000 of their soldiers who were on foot. He also struck down Shobak, the commander of their army. Shobak died there. All the kings who were under the rule of Hadadezer saw that Israel had won the battle over them. So they made a peace treaty with the Israelites. They were brought under Israel's rule. After that, the Arameans were afraid to help the Ammonites anymore. Those were really encouraging stories. David seems like he just can't lose. 
Everything is going well for David, especially because he's paying close attention to God's commands. When we read the Bible and we hear stories about people like King David, we sometimes think that King David, maybe he's a hero who never did anything wrong. But that isn't what the Bible is usually trying to tell us. If we're carefully reading through the Bible, we can notice that even now, King David is beginning to do things that maybe he shouldn't. Maybe you remember earlier in the story when King David was angry with people when they would kill men who were not in the battle. But now he has started to do the same to his enemies. He has killed them after they surrendered, so they will bring him tribute. King David captures the chariots and the prisoners from Hadadezer, and he destroys almost all of the horses, but he keeps 100 for himself. Horses were used for a lot of jobs during David's time, but one of the best ways to use them in war was to pull chariots in battle. Chariots were really tough to fight against, especially if you didn't have any chariots of your own. When I was in the Marine Corps, I got to fight from tanks. My tank was very scary to look at, and my tank's crew was really well trained, and we were dangerous on the battlefield. Tanks are a lot like chariots in these times. But God told the Israelites that he didn't want them to use chariots. He didn't want them to get lots of horses and armies and chariots, because God was worried that they would start to feel safe because of their chariots which was their version of the tank, instead of feeling safe because God was protecting them. King David begins to show that he almost trusts God. And when we read passages like this from the Bible, it can be confusing. If God is with David, does that mean that he thinks all the things that David does are good things? No. The authors of the Bible usually won't tell you when characters are doing things that they shouldn't. Rather, they'll show you the consequences of their actions through the story that they tell and help you understand the good and bad behavior by becoming the characters in the story yourself. Whenever you read the Bible, you should imagine yourself as King David, or maybe as the bad guy had a dazer, or maybe as one of the generals or soldiers in the story, or maybe as David's wife. When we put ourselves into the stories, they shape us and they mold us to understand God's wisdom and what he's like. We can learn again and again that the more we know God and the closer that we are to him, the better our lives will be. It might not be full of gold and silver and riches like the plunder and tribute that David acquires, but it will be full of the rich fruit of God's spirit, his love and his joy and peace, his patience kindness and goodness and faithfulness, his gentleness and self-control. The last story that we should think about is the story of Mephibosheth. Why does David treat Jonathan's son so well? Why do all of Saul's descendants seem to have such difficult names to pronounce? David says that he's going to treat Mephibosheth well because God has treated David so well. David knows how good God is to people like himself, who don't deserve it. So David lives his life trying to be just as good to other people. At this time, it would have been very strange for David to have been nice to Mephibosheth. Kings usually worry a lot about other people trying to become the king. When a king dies, his son usually becomes the next king. Remember the guy with the tough name to pronounce, Ishbosheth? 
He was Saul's son, and he tried to become the king even though David was the anointed king from God. Mephibosheth had hurt feet, but one day his son might try to do the same thing. He might say, King Saul was my great-grandfather, so I should be the next king. So when we see David seeking out Mephibosheth and blessing him instead of killing him, it shows just how much David trusted in God. Wouldn't it be great if we put the same amount of trust in God? Jesus told us to do this very thing. Jesus came from the line of David, which meant that David was Jesus' great, 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 and lots more great-grandpa. Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to be kind to those who want to do wrong to us, and to bless the people that say bad things about us. Why does Jesus tell us to do these things? It's because a life that is lived blessing others is a life that is fully trusting in God's goodness and protection. If we try to keep all the good toys and money and food for ourselves, it shows that we might not be trusting in God's ability to provide for us. But if we use the things that God has given us to bless others, then we're acting just like David and just like Jesus. And if we're using those things to bless people that are our enemies, how much more are we showing that we trust God and in his goodness? It doesn't sound easy, though, does it? To give our stuff to the poor and to those who don't like us? It sounds easier to give good things to our friends. But that's why Jesus is better than anything else. He helped us understand that God acts this way towards us. And even when we are not acting in loving ways towards God, he always loves us. And even if we aren't doing the right thing, he takes care of us. And this is how we show God that we appreciate his kindness. It's by blessing and showing that same kindness to others. I hope that you, your brothers, sisters, and parents can think of all sorts of ways to be kind and loving to all the people in your lives.